Hello and a very warm summer welcome to another James Hay Tech Talk where we aim to give you the need to know information on the issues that matter to advisors and their clients alike. I'm Damien Smythe, Head of Sales here at James Hay and today as part of a two-part podcast we're talking about pension scams. What defines a scam, what scale of problem they pose and what we can all do to help run the scammers out of town. To help me, I'm delighted to be joined by our Head of Technical Support and someone who's talked about a wider issue of scams previously in the press, Neil McGivery. Neil, welcome. Hey, Darian. Good to be here. So, Neil, as I mentioned, this is the first of two podcasts on the subject, so I think it would be useful to kick off by getting the basics covered. We use the word scam, which is very hard-hitting and quite emotive, but what's the definition of a pension scam? A scam, Damien, whether it's one targeted at pension money or other savings, is a scheme aimed at getting someone to transfer their money from where it's currently held with the intention of taking that money and either immediately uh, or eventually disappearing with it. Sometimes that's done by getting someone to encash investments and physically hand over the money under the promise that it's going to be invested in some lucrative plan, or getting a person to transfer capital directly into a fictional investment. In some cases, an investment scheme does exist, but the fees are so astronomical, the capital quickly disappears, or the terms that the person has signed up to are not actually how the investment works and could mean they can't access the money anymore. An interesting point is that a scam isn't a legal definition. There can be illegality, but there can also be an element of sharp practice, which makes it particularly difficult to identify and prosecute. My role here, Neil, is to represent the layman, I guess, and and, and reading the money pages, watching TV, listening to the radio, it does seem like reports of pension scams have been on the rise in recent years. Is, Is that actually the case? Well, since the advent of pension freedoms way back in 2015, allowing people easier access to their pensions from age 55, it's true that there's been more scope to encourage people to put money into unsuitable or even non-existent investment schemes. In recent years, scammers have really focused on the two-pronged scam attack of getting savers to liberate pension monies first and then encourage them to invest in an unsuitable vehicle. And the means for promoting scams has evolved over the years too. And there has been an increase in using social media, email, text and search engines for this. The pension freedoms were very much focused on saying to people, look, here's an opportunity for you to have easier access to your pension money and choose what you want to do with it. And unfortunately, unscrupulous and often highly convincing scammers have taken advantage of that. But there's also the issue that we're in an era of ultra low interest rates, which can be really hard on retirees who are relying on their savings for an income. So if deposits are offering a fraction of 1% in interest, chances are you're going to perk up and listen if someone presents you with a scheme promising an annual return of nine or 10% or even more. So what's the scale of the pension scamming problem here in the UK? What, What volumes of money are we talking about? There are figures on this, Damien, and there's good and bad news. As ever. Okay, go on. Here's with the bad news first. So the Pension Scams Industry Group is a voluntary body of providers and trade associations. It suggests that to date, around 40,000 pension holders have been defrauded in one way or another, and up to £10 billion may have been lost in pension scams. Now, those figures sound pretty bad. However, the People's Pension 
has crunched its own numbers and found that one in 200 adults in the UK, that's around a quarter of a million savers, may have lost retirement savings to fraud. They also estimate that the total cost of this could be more in the region of £14.6 billion. So whoever's data we use, we're talking about some pretty big numbers. We certainly are. Um, and the good news? Well, the good news is that efforts to fight fraud may be having an effect. Action Fraud released data which showed a steady fall in pension scam reports from close to 1,800 in 2014 to 358 in 2020. So that's almost an 80% reduction. Now, some of that drop could be because it takes people time to realise they've been defrauded or because of embarrassment, it takes time for them to come forward and report it. So those 2020 figures may be revised upwards at some point. We also have got to wait to see the impact of the pandemic on this data. Will lockdown have increased the instance of fraud? Has it delayed the reporting of fraud even further? We simply don't know yet. But tentatively, we can say that the public campaigns, media reports and actions by the regulator, such as a ban on pension cold calling, are having an effect. That said, 358 scams a year is 358 too many. Yeah, absolutely. And even with my dodgy maths, that's still nearly one person per day getting scammed, which is pretty awful. It is. And the thing is, the scammers are constantly evolving and finding smarter and more ingenious ways to convince people that something is legitimate. And often, by the time the regulator has dismantled one scam, the fraudsters have moved on and opened up three more. So we mustn't kid ourselves that this is a problem that's going to go away anytime soon. Can you give us an example of pension scams you've come across? So a friend of mine who works on pension fraud told me about a police officer who'd actually worked on fraud cases himself. Now, this guy was obviously pretty savvy, but he found himself being approached to transfer a pension that he'd had from a previous employer into a highly convincing investment scheme offering high return and upfront cash incentives to act by a certain deadline. Now, to his credit, he was initially dubious he asked if he could ring the firm back and ask more questions. He was told that was fine. He rang the firm, got sensible, plausible answers. He went back later with some additional questions and it all sounded very convincing. And the upshot was he went ahead and instructed the transfer. It was only 18 months later when he stopped receiving his uh, six monthly valuations and he was then unable to contact the firm he had been dealing with that it came to light that he'd been scammed. It does go to show, doesn't it? You know, police officer with experience in fraud and, and he still got scammed. Yes, so it tells you everything you need to know about the level of professionalism we're up against. These scammers know how to set up a professional looking website or worse, even clone someone else's. They know about including references to the FCA or HMRC. They know about having a public phone number so people can call back just to check everything's above board and they know exactly what language to use to sound like a plausible, regulated firm. It does sound like we're, we're now quite a long way on from receiving a badly written email from a prince in some far off land offering to share his fortunes. Unfortunately, we certainly are. <laughs> so we'll, we'll come on to what advisors can do at a practical level to help their clients in a moment. But what regulatory requirements are there on advisors in regards to pension scams? The obvious regulatory requirement is around transfer from defined benefit schemes and ensuring that a transfer is an appropriate course of action. 
a lot of the regulation that's been introduced since 2015 has fallen on the advisor community to ensure that transfers are properly assessed, that those making the recommendations have the appropriate permissions and qualifications, and most importantly, that the transfers are personal recommendations. Advice from an authorised pension transfer specialist is required for any defined benefit pension transfer with safeguarded benefits above £30,000, which offers some protection for larger pension funds, but not for smaller ones. However, many providers, including James Hay, will require advice to be provided on any defined benefit transfer, regardless of size. No advice is required when capital is outside the defined benefit environment, which does leave defined contribution schemes and money in self-invested personal pension schemes and other personal pensions vulnerable. Is that statutory legislation? Actually, there's no statutory legislation in stopping scams per se, but the regulators have provided various safeguards that advisors and providers should put in place to help stop scams. For example, the Pension Scams Industry Group has a code of best practice which sets out practical steps to protect pension scheme members. The code is aimed primarily at pension schemes and trustees, and I'm pleased to say James Hay is also a signatory, but it should also be of interest to any advisory firm involved in pension advice. The group has also set up a database to share information on scams. Again, this is primarily targeted at pension schemes but there's no reason why product providers and advisors can't share information with it too. Something that's also useful and welcome is the new guidance from the FCA on supporting vulnerable customers, which my colleague Bradley Thompson has talked about in a previous podcast. This guidance has put a clear expectation on regulated firms, including advisors, to cater for the vulnerabilities such as low financial capability, poor health, or vulnerability caused by, say, unemployment or bereavement. I'm hopeful that this guidance means that vulnerable people are less likely to end up in the hands of scammers, but we'll have to see. Let's hope you're right, Neil. Okay, our 10 minutes or so are up for this session, but please do join us for the second part of this conversation, where we'll be looking at what firms can do to help protect clients and what the government is planning to do to make life harder for the fraudsters. So I hope you'll join us for that.